Welcome to the Dialogue Book Report, where we talk about literature of interest to LDS readers. I'm Andrew Hall, an editor at Dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought, coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. And today I'm joined by two authors whose short stories have appeared in the new book, The Path and the Gate, Mormon Short Fiction, edited, edited by myself and Robert Raleigh, uh, and published by Signature Press. The authors are Larry Menlove, Menlove, the author of Calf Creek Falls, and David G. Pace, the author of Lana Turner Has Collapsed. So welcome, Larry and David. And could we start by giving us a brief introduction of your stories? Uh, maybe Larry, Larry, if you can go first. Yeah, Taft Creek Falls. It's a, it's a little bit of an interior story uh, of a mother. And uh, she has two uh, boys at home and kind of a, a little bit of a rocky marriage. And she has this proclivity to get into cold water, uh, and it's kind of skinny do. So it's something she needs to do. It's kind of a, a way of releasing tensions and all this kind of stuff. But uh, so she's on her way out to Calf Creek to have this little uh, commune with the river and the water out there. So, I mean, that's that's a basic setup of the story. Okay. Um, all right, David, how, how about yours? Yeah, so my story is about um, a Mormon woman in the mid-90s who's having a, I guess you would call it a midlife crisis. She's uh, married, uh, but the two of them could never have children, so they're childless and feeling a little bit of outliers in their um, community there in Salt Lake. In their Mormon community, and uh, it opens with her husband returning to the temple and coming back home and explaining to her what it was like, and and um, she's skeptical at best, and then uh, finds out later um, that um, you can get you can go through the temple and do uh, temple work, if you will, ordinances for the dead, including celebrities. So um, the story is really about their attempt to rekindle their life together as a couple who are on the kind of margins of the Mormon community by doing the temple work for Clark Gable and Lana Turner. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> they're, both, they're, they're both kind of, you know, if, if this is about the path and the gate, right? The, I, there was this prompt about, you know, this this scripture that talked about uh, the baptism and faith and repentance, and the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then enduring to the end. And so both these are are these um, couples, or at least the, the the woman and the couple who have already, you know, they're they're already kind of progressed a certain degree, and you know they're kind of on this endured to the end stage, right? Uh, and, and but then there's you know a certain degree of is this really the path I want to be on or not uh, and 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 kind of looking back on it like that so that was Larry yours in particular seemed like it was very much it, it you know right on the nose of the prompt did, was was the story written before or did you was it based on the prompt I would like to say that yes you gave me a prompt uh, Andrew and I not a, nailed it out or hit it out of the park but no. It is actually an older story, not that old, 
but uh but yeah when you gave us the prompt i was going through some stories and i was working on this one at the time and uh about baptism well here's here's my character who essentially that's what she does every time she goes and gets in one of these cold water pools and and uh communions with nature that way was a, a baptism in sense so i thought well that's perfect so that's the one i sat to you it really was perfect it really fit it very well yeah yeah um well how david do you have any questions for larry about his story uh well you know larry and i go way back so um i'm gonna bust him up as much as possible here <laughs> thanks david yeah, I think it's interesting that our stories, uh, the protagonist in both of our stories is named Gloria. And I texted him the other day, I texted Larry the other day and said, did you steal that name from me or did I steal that name from me? Because <laughs> we share Clearly. each other. Yeah. Um, it was completely coincidental. And um, But I think it's interesting in our choice of names. Gloria is a... You know, in my story, she's embarrassed about her name because it's very antique and kind of 19th century-ish or, or um, you know, and not, not, not like Lana and not like Lana, you know. And so, but it, it also, you know, has all kinds of resonance with religious literature and biblical passages about angels and and um, you know, finding you know, becoming glorified, um, glorying in your life, and um, experiencing spiritual growth and that sort of thing. So, uh, uh, it, you know, at least in my case, I, I won't speak for Larry, but it's I've named her that somewhat ironically because this is a woman who is highly skeptical of her uh, past. And yet returns to it, um, and I, I like to think that it's kind of touching the way she returns to it, and and she does at one point believe that she has found her testimony again, and that she is uh, back on the path, and um, and you know it doesn't turn out maybe the way that she expects it to. In fact, it clearly does not. Sorry, I hope that's not a spoiler alert, but uh, um. Yeah, you know, she. I, I like to think that she's sympathetic. I think I'd like to think that she's somebody that um, will make you curl your teeth, maybe a little bit, and her irreverence. But uh, I think she's genuine. You know, I think she really loves her husband. I think she wants to be renewed, if you will, um, rebaptized in a sense to use. Uh, the metaphor of calf creeks that Larry is working with. And um, she, she goes to some effort to make it happen. And um, so I hope it's poignant. I hope it's funny. I hope it's, um, I hope in the end it's redemptive, even though it's disappointing in some ways to her at the end. So I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. Uh, oh, it wasn't a question. It was a response to Larry. Larry, you did a great job. I loved your story. In fact, I think we should talk about Larry's story. Well, I was going to mention. I don't. I'm not so sure that it was a was a coincidence that I that her character's name was Gloria. 
David, you clearly wrote this story years before I wrote mine. Um, and, and like you were alluding to, um, we do share some stories back and forth. Uh, it's thus, you stole my name. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was unintentional. I'm not sure. Unconscious. But, okay. But I, but there's all all those all those reasons that you gave for naming a character Gloria uh, make sense, and they make sense with my character as well. Um, she's someone who is she loves her husband, she loves her family, but she's struggling with it for whatever reason. There's so I would say they're minor issues, but not minor to her, you know, and. Um, so she she goes out and she hikes up the trail and she gets out there in all her glory, Gloria, under the stars, you know, with the waterfall. So, I, I mean, that's I think that's one of the reasons I chose that name for the character. Um, but David, you can you can allow that I stole that. I, oh, okay. All right, all right, you owe me some money. <laughs> Uh, and let's be clear. Let's be clear. When Gloria goes into Calf Falls, uh, she's going in buck naked, and I mean it's very uh, Garden of Eden-ish in a mythology. There, she is really trying to connect back to her fundamental, authentic self, and I found that really moving and meditative in a sense uh in a way um and i thought your craft was exceptional i think that she's an exceptional woman because she talks so uh, the narrator talks so clearly about her love for her boys the fact that she was very determined not to have any more children after two and even though her husband was resentful of it and then there's this dog <laughs> Yeah, which I think is quintessential Larry Medlove, the grit lit, grit lit, <laughs> grit lit author of Spring Lake, Utah. And I I won't go into any details more about the dog because it it's well, a very it's almost a talisman of his story about and and the reason why she go, she goes back. Okay, spoiler alert: it's not because of her sons and, and husband. Even though she loves them, it's for the dog. And I won't say any more than that because it will be a spoiler alert. But I found that very, very touching and weird and and a weirdly grotesque, but very, very compelling. Yeah. Yeah. And and David, you know, the overarching stories of of the dog, which were very real and actually occurred on in Deer Creek, on Trail of Deer Creek, where um, portions of the story kind of, they, well, she comes across a, a couple who have been to a wedding on Deer Creek Draw. And coincidentally, that's where my wife and I got married. David, you know that? And, and we were down there on a reunion, well, not a reunion. We were there on our anniversary a few years after we got married. And we actually came across a dog who had this condition you know, on the trail. So, there are dogs like that out there. Thank you for not spilling the beans. <laughs> Making a spoiler. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, now I, I 
and you, you should probably talk about this, the fact that this story is part of a larger project. Well, yes, and, and that's it. Uh, Andrew, this is uh, the, the first chapter of my manuscript that I put together. Uh, I'm still working on it. It's been, a, it's been a slog. I haven't been able to complete it. Um, it's mostly Darren, but um, yeah, this is the first chapter. I started in the middle somewhere, and I went back and wrote this chapter. Um, and my, my objective with the manuscript is to have chapters that are uh, standalone short stories, more or less. And the characters all kind of intermingle in the area around Boulder, Utah, uh, or Boab, or up in the Boulder Mountains in areas. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's a bigger. The first story I wrote started with the, the image of the dog, the main town of Trail Deer Creek, and my wife and I were down in and Fillmore to some hot hot pots down there, uh, some hot water springs. We were just uh, enjoying it. And these, these two young people came and stripped off their clothes and jumped right in the water with us. And <laughs> so I think that's where I got this image of uh, the water. And and it's kind of, a, it's a it's a fount of youth, more or less. Because I've always joked, but I think there's some truth to it. That when we got out of those hot springs uh, down in Fillmore, the Meadow Hot Springs is what they are, uh, swam around in there with these two young, beautiful, naked creatures. Uh, <laughs> that I, I felt ten years younger when I got up and out of that water. So it was it was a little bit of a silent youth kind of situation there. So, but that's uh, uh, yeah, that's where that that whole manuscript is going, sort of, and. You know, in those kinds of directions. So I got to finish it. Sorry, it's a main character. There are many, many of Yeah. Try that again, David. Yeah. That might be a novel. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a complete novel at that point. A novel in stories. There are many other I might have been in Yeah. Well, yeah. David, you sound like a robot there, so I couldn't quite hear what you said. Oh, I'll try to. Yeah, we're not getting your 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 audio. Audio. But now. So I don't know, probably nothing you can do about it, but it'll probably get over it in a second. Um, let me let me just sure, go ahead. Look. Go ahead, Andrew. No, no, no. Let it go. I was gonna I was gonna wax on about uh, David Solana Turner has collapsed. Uh, but this is a story I've I've read it several times over the course of my relationship with David, and um, it has evolved definitely. But uh, the core of it has always been there. You know, you've got, uh, I, I mean, I just admire it so much. The uh, Atlanta Turner, well, the, the wife, Gloria, and just the way things change for her. Uh, and I imagine she's a bit of a, well, she's, she likes old time Hollywood, right? 
And she, she just, uh, it's just words are failing, but just the way she goes through it and changes, makes that commitment back to the church again so that she can kind of embody Lana Turner is, uh, it's just, it's, it's a sweet story. I think, David, I don't, I don't just nod your head and we can maybe test your audio again. Um, <laughs> How about now? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. <laughs> that sounds better. Thank you, Larry. I'll pay you later. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah but, go ahead, Andrew. Well, so I, I'm interested in, I mean, I don't know exactly what, but, but you know, some of the authors in this collection are, are Mormon and some are post-Mormon, shall we say. Have they, uh, you know, are, they've experienced Mormonism in their life, and, but are maybe not actively doing it now. Why do you think authors that are post-Mormon um, are still interested in these, you know, these symbols and this, 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 this society? Why, why is that a, a topic which authors are, are interested in writing about? Wow, you really want to open that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have my theories. I mean, you know, there's the old saw, oh, you can leave the church, but you can't leave it alone. As like, duh. I mean, I was indoctrinated for 30 years into this stuff. And of course, I'm going to write about what I know. And this was a totalizing religion, totalizing life, totalizing culture. Do people ask? Isaac Bashevis Singer, why the only reason why, you know, why is he only writing about Judaism, you know, and the Jewish experience in America and in and elsewhere? You know, people don't ask that. They don't ask James Joyce why he, you know, even after he left Ireland, all he wrote about was, guess what, Ireland. He never went back. Um, you write about what uh, you know, the civilizing force in your life. And that was Mormonism for better and for worse. And I do say that for better with warmness, with warmth in my heart, uh, especially as I've gotten older, um, I've realized that um, I've had a more nuanced view of my experience growing up in the faith and in the culture. And I am definitely a cultural Mormon um, or post-Mormon, if you want to call it that. And um, that's all I write about. Um, but I haven't, I haven't been active in the church for. Thir I've been, I've been a post Mormon longer than I've been a real good Mormon. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> and it feels great and feels liberating. And um, now I'm shepherding some of my nieces and nephews who are going through the same transition that I did, and I'm able to do it with compassion and wisdom. I hope. And, um, and I think that's what the literature of the more, that's what Mo lit, if you want to call it that in my, in my realm that I think that's its job. It's to validate people's experiences growing up in this very peculiar, quaint, little, I, I little, I'm sorry, I don't care if it's global. It's little in many, many ways. Mm -hmm religious tradition stuck out here in the Rocky Mountains. And how can you not write about that? I mean, Absolutely. oh my, 
I've been reading Mormon history and you can't make that stuff up. It's yeah. amazing stuff. So anyway, that's why I read. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to David's point, uh, I grew up here. I, I grew up uh, in Mormonism. Uh, I, I, as like David said, I, I've been out a bit longer than I was in it, but, um, you know, I still have family who are full believers and I respect that. And, um, just why wouldn't you write about this stuff? The symbolism you mentioned, Andrew, and the, uh, the, the I mean, all, all religions have all their, their, their doctrines and, and their, uh, rituals and all that, but I, I don't. I, I think Mormonism is very unique. I think because it is an American story, with Joseph Smith and and Brigham Young, the you know a nation builder out here. Um, it, I'll, I'll tell you I, when I came out of of college and was trying to write some stories, I was putting these people and characters who weren't Mormon in places other than Utah. Because I thought that people would be bored with Mormonism or Utah, there's nothing going on. But then I dared to kind of look underneath the covers, you know, uh, behind the bedroom doors, uh, behind the the bishop's door, and I, I, I I trained myself not to be afraid to go there and just write about it and. Yeah, my my mom still doesn't like any of my stories necessarily, but I'm writing for myself, writing for David, always, and so yeah. I again, I what David said. Why wouldn't you write about it? It's interesting. Uh, I I would like to. I haven't found a very good uh, audience outside of Mormonism. The you know, the dialogue, the Sunstone, the Ariantum, those types of things. Uh, this book, and I'm very honored to be in it with all these other writers. Um, but, I don't know, David and I, we talked about it. We would like to maybe push out away from just this kind of morally mullet. But, very happy to be here. I am uh, writing this stuff. It's what I'm writing. And it's good to have an audience. Probably. Yeah. And I hope it don't offend anyone's mothers with anything I wrote. But no, that's great. They're at both both women in this it, it's interesting that they they they're both very physical. Both stories are very physical, right? And with the in the Lana Turner, we have kind of have, we have like this parallel tracks of their spiritual life and their their sex life you know are both are both in it and and in Larry's story you know it, it's this you know the whole valley this calf creek seems to be kind of symbolic of her womb right and her kind of the, 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 the womb and and giving birth all seems to be uh, a big part of the story uh, I don't know David maybe I guess so so this kind of for 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 Mormon readers, of course, this maybe pushes the envelope a little bit. Uh, but I gotta say, it's my the funniest scene in this is the uh, is the testimony talk that that the woman does she, when she jokingly uh, bears her testimony uh, with her husband. Um, anyway, 
I don't, I don't have a question. <laughs> I just appreciated all that. No, that's that's you a good image. I'm, I'm going to steal that like I steal David's uh, character names. Edward, it's okay. When it, when I did an excerpt for 15 Bytes magazine of Lana Turner, I was honored and horrified when the editor insisted that I put at the top warning this <laughs> sensitivity warning. This has uh, discussions about fellatio. So, um, yeah, uh, that's okay. And I, more to the point, though, is that yeah, uh, sex it plays an important role in this, and um, I didn't hold back on that because um, I think we do that too often, almost reflexively, in Mormon storytelling, and that's too bad because that's a huge part of our communicative lives with our spouses and and with ourselves and with sometimes strangers, but it's all there. It's all part of that big um, thing called life. And in in Larry's in Larry's story, I don't know about you, but I read all kinds of eroticism into that. And I mean, you know, it's very sensual. Uh, whether it's erotic or not is is something else. But you know, just he he talks so fluidly, no pun intended, and beautifully about you know going into the water and the water streaming off this young man's body at one point and her own body. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of sexual tension, even with the young woman as she walks out with her boyfriend, uh, you know, Gloria notices her calves and things like that. Uh, maybe I'm reading into it, Larry, but I, I found it beautifully sensual and erotic in a way that, I think Mormon writers should lean into more um, as they continue to try to tell the story of the Mormon people. Um, and and I feel like in Lana, um, you know, there's, yeah, it is a very physical thing. I mean, she's getting her hair peroxided at one point, you know, I mean, that's painful. Um, and so... Yeah, you know, and she's noticing the young man in the shop where she works, and and you know that that happens. That's human, and that's a beautiful thing because we have sexual attraction to each other. Um, and I think that we should celebrate that. And I think the best parts of Mormonism probably did at one point. I mean, and I don't. We won't go into Nauvoo, but there was a lot of stuff going on there that was pretty interesting in terms of sexual experimentation. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, blessing Joseph Smith's proclivities or peccadilloes or whatever. But I am saying that, um, you know, at least he was having a conversation about male and female sexuality at some point and at some level. And that's probably something that we should, as fiction writers and poets and creative nonfiction writers, should lean into a little bit more because of it is part of the human experience. And, you know, we have this stereotype of Mormons as being basically sexless as sticks of gum, you know, like Barbie or, and, and that's not how we live our lives. And, uh, Behind the door, like Larry was talking about, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on that doesn't get told in testimony. Yeah, I think with both of our stories, there's a lot of sensuality going on. Um, David, your Gloria, she she wears a she wears a, um, what is it? 
she cooks in it, apron with a, with a bikini on it, and and just that fun back and forth with her husband with Don, and and uh, I I don't know I don't know that I purposely put a lot of of this sensuality into my writing. I think it's just something that's that I lean into when I do write. I don't know whether it's it's because you're a purpose. <laughs> I am, I am, but I mean just the. The calf of the the woman walking out, the old girl walking out uh, on the trail from Calf Creek Falls. I mean, I I don't think I meant anything by that, but it's there. It's just it certainly is there, and it's very sexual, uh, a little homoerotic there. I mean, because Gloria notices and mentions it in her in her thoughts. Uh, it's it, to me. It's all just sensuality. It's just putting the, those details that uh, hopefully help a reader, you know, be engaged and 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 keep on reading. But your story is very uh, rooted in the body, Larry. I have to say, and it um, I'm I recall the statement. I actually wrote this down so that I could say it correctly. But you talked about the child that occupied the thin walls of her inland sea, that the fetus was so tightly against his flood, flooded plain. I mean, you're talking about the body as though it's a landscape, which I find really beautiful and um, and revealing. And because your story is about this, you know, the canyon country, and yet it's this is a very interior piece of fiction and it is about Gloria's internal life and also her. And so you use that internal body imagery to, I think, build that out. And sorry, but it's just very lyrical and beautiful. Thank you so much. I know it's true. I apologize, David. I appreciate that. I owe you dinner. <laughs> so, David, you have a, a new collection coming out, right? Can you just tell us the title and when you think that'll be coming out? Yes, the title is American Trinity um, and Other Stories from the Mormon Corridor. American Trinity is was the first story I had published. It was in Dialogue magazine. And I won a couple of awards, one from the AML and one from Dialogue. And it was also the urtext, if you will, of my novel, which came out later called uh, Dream House on Golan Drive, which was signature books. Um, yeah. And so it's these are stories that date back to 19, mid-1980s. Um, it's been really gratifying to see them come together in a single volume. They're 13 stories, and uh, the title story is the first story that that you read called American Trinity. Okay, great. All right. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Larry, sign us off, man. Well, I, 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 David, I want to ask what you're working on now. Do you want to touch on that at all? Because I've read yeah, manuscript I, and it's. Yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, maybe it's. No, that's fine. I'm happy to very briefly. I, I'm doing a historical novel um, written about my great grandfather, who was the sheriff of Cambridge, 
And um, so it's very much rooted in that area and it involves a murder and um, it's uh, it's been really fun to research that and very different from what I've done before, which is very much coming of age type stuff uh, like my first book. But um, yeah, I've had Larry read it and he just trashed it. It was just amazing how badly now, David, you, again, uh, there's, there's so much of your writing. I just admire it so much. I mean, it's, this is kind of like, think, picture Lonesome Dove in uh, Penguin, between Penguin and Beaver. And uh, there's not a whole lot of cattle, but there's a whole lot of reprobates in between. And it's it's historical. So, all right. A lot of reprobates in that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been just delightful. I've really enjoyed it, and I've got the first draft out, and I'm now working on a revision. Great, very good. Both working on novels. That's great to hear. Okay, well, thank you so much. I love both your stories. I'm so glad that um, you're able to contribute them, and thank you to the listeners uh, of the Dialogue Book Report. This show is part of the Dialogue Podcast Network, a collective of independent podcasts who promote inquiry into all aspects of LDS tradition. And the show is produced and edited by Daniel Foster Smith, who also provides the music. To hear more, go to dialoguejournal.com. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Take care. Greetings, my name is Rebecca Deschweinitz and I'm thrilled to serve as a board member at the Dialogue Foundation and as one of the hosts of Dialogue Gospel Study. In each episode, which we record live the second and fourth Sunday of every month, we welcome esteemed speakers from a variety of backgrounds to share their insights and perspectives on the Come Follow Me lessons. Our aim is to spark meaningful conversations about the scriptures, to connect them to our personal experiences and to our understandings and explorations of the gospel. To stay in the loop with our upcoming lessons and this opportunity to engage with Mormon thought, culture, and belief, be sure to visit DialogueJournal.com and sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll receive updates and timely links to join our live stream lessons. Additionally, you can catch up on our past guests and episodes by subscribing to Dialogue Journal on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dialogue Podcast Network.